Welcome, friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to Glocal News in Social Artistry. I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who's building a more humane world from the inside out. This week, uh, it's a whole new area for me, uh, a new person to meet. Uh, I'm talking with Karen Dye Allen, the co of the uh, Callaway County Public Administrator uh, here in Fulton, Missouri. And uh, hi, Karen. Good to have you with us. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling pretty <laughs> chipper today. <laughs> uh, good weather day. And folks, uh, listen, we're recording this on Zoom, so uh, Karen and I are looking at each other and saying hi, and yet you're listening to it on the radio, and uh, or you may be uh, listening to it on your computer or phone, streaming, uh, or maybe you've looked at the podcast uh, sometime in the future and picked up this particular show. So uh, good to have you with us here on KOPN, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri, 89.5 FM, which I think reaches all the way to Fulton and uh, surrounding uh, towns and counties. So uh, welcome, folks. Appreciate your support of the station. Uh, but Karen, you're the public administrator. You know, I'm sure I've heard that phrase somewhere, but I it's, it typically goes over my head. I don't know what a public administrator does. And uh, another one of your hats is uh, you're a national certified guardian. Is correct, that, yes. Yeah. That is correct, yes. And yes. part of the uh, National Guardianship Association. Yes. I didn't know anything about that. So I'm really just going to ask you, please, to tell us what you do, what, what these jobs are. Well, I'll start off with a little bit of the, the uh, overview. So in Missouri, uh, every county has a public administrator. There's 114 counties in Missouri, plus the city of St. Louis. I um, mean, all but four of those counties, the public administrator is elected. So here in rural Missouri, we are all elected in each county. And it's it runs every four years. And there's appointments, I think, in Clay, Jackson, St. Louis County, St. Charles, and perhaps in St. Louis City. So it may be up to five. Clay just changed their former government and are now appointing their public administrator. So public administrators were creating the statute in the late 1800s to take care of widows and orphans. And over the years, our job has changed drastically uh, we've seen a lot of change just in the past 10 years. I was elected 25, over 25 years ago, and I've seen a lot of change in the types of clients that we're serving and in what our roles are. So I tell people a public administrator is a public guardian. We are in each county designed to serve when we're appointed by the probate court. And the statute was always indicated that, you know, families should serve first, there should be an order of priority. But we went into the statute a couple of years ago and, and 
basically shored that up and said in very explicit terms, the public administrator is to be the last resort. We want to help families. We want to be a resource for families. But we were seeing too many times because families couldn't get the help they needed that a public administrator ended up being the guardian for a loved one. So each county has a little bit of a unique situation. Columbia, Missouri has MUPC. Callaway County has the state hospital. Cole County has certain types of unique services. So each county has a little bit different of a caseload, but statewide, we're seeing the same growth patterns among the clients we're appointed to serve, and we're seeing the same um, concerns that we felt need to be addressed. So our association, the Missouri Association of Public Administrators has been very active legislatively. Hmm. And for the past five years, we've really um, tried to step up to the plate. We've got some good lobbyists and we've worked to create positive change in the statutes to mm-hmm. benefit you know, Missouri citizens. Mm-hmm. Could you give uh, one example to give us a hint of what that means? Oh yes, de- definitely. Um, we started small. I think back in 2017, we added a, a section that said that we added bonding when people want to apply to run for public administrator that's to avoid a situation of someone being elected that can't be bonded we added a provision that a guardian can 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 contract for funeral services that might eliminate the need for conservatorship and when you talk about guardianship versus conservatorship in missouri a guardian makes decisions for the person a conservator conserves their money so it's two different roles uh, different states use those terms differently. Like for California, we'll call it the guardian of the person or guardian of the estate. Hmm. Some states use the term guardian for both. But statutorily, we have worked really hard uh, with other groups when possible. In 2018, there was a major update to guardianship law. Um, and we worked with the Mowings group for that. The, I was fortunate to be part of both groups. Mo Wings met for about six years and did a total rewrite of the guardianship code. The public administrators, uh, we usually would look each summer about what did we want to focus on. And in that year, we had a few things that were kind of simple. We want a notice of hearings. So before we're appointed, we can be notified and we can get in there and help families maybe family is a better option and they just don't know what resources are there so if we know the hearings are going to happen we can get in there and make things uh, more, more seamless and be of more help what happened was we joined with mo wings and crunched together our statutory changes along with theirs and it was a very large rewrite of the guardianship code and what came out of that uh, primarily is um a lot of emphasis on the individual with a guardian, a lot of their rights and their abilities, but also a very direct statement that a public administrator, a non-related third party should always be the last resort and that families should be chosen to serve if they're willing and able. So that's well, uh, a lot of the change that year. You you mentioned mowings. What does that stand for? That, so the long story on mowings, it's the okay. Missouri... A working inter- interdisciplinary network group of guardianship 
professionals <laughs> or stakeholders, guardianship. But I can tell you the history of mowings and Professor English at the law school has a is better at telling this than me. But there's a group of people that work in the guardianship world when you talk about guardianship theory and the true intellect of what guardianship should be about and what rights a person should have when they have a guardian and what powers a guardian should have should, guardians should have. So the first time this group met, they've met each decade for the past four years, they met at a hotel called the Wings Resort. <laughs> and from that, as Professor English tells, they just each decade when they met, they just kept carrying over the Wings name. Hmm. And it was called Wingspan one year. And then so what happened is now they've given it and made it an acronym. Mm. And the federal government released grants. A part of this group had uh, people that worked for the federal government and they were able to obtain grant money that states could apply for. So Missouri applied for grant money and for the Wings grant money. And that was Mo Wings, M-O-W-I-N-G-S. They have a website. Mm -hmm. And a number of us sat on that. I mean, it was a a large group of stakeholders. We met over six years. I will say there were probably disagreements. There were heated discussions. But at the end of the day, what came out was a total rewrite of the guardianship code. Mm -hmm. And not all of that was passed in 2018. Like I said, I was part of the group. There were four of us that crunched the two bills together, one a public administrator bill and one the mowings bill. And we just crunched together what we thought could work and what would be uh, palatable to the legislature to go ahead and pass. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of trains of thought in the guardianship world. And I say you have the thinkers and you have the doers. Mm -hmm. And so public administrators are the doers. So if you look on the national level, we carry such high caseloads that public guardians carry high caseloads. So when we meet in guardianship circles, we are the individuals that have been the guardian the most for the most Mm -hmm. individuals Mm -hmm. and have seen the most uh, scenarios. And so there's a value to that when you get the thinkers and the doers together, because then we can work together and have a stronger outcome. When you said there's different approaches, uh, I noticed somewhere there was a theories, classical, new, and postmodern. Does that apply to to the theories, or is well, that some other kind of? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think when you were to, if you were to, and this is just my layperson's analysis. Mm-hmm. If you were to look at the world of guardianship, if you think back in Missouri, they created public administrators to quote unquote, take care of widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a, a a situation that you were taking care of someone. Mm -hmm. Now we are tasked with a much higher standard. And the standard is that uh, we have to decide, are we going to work in the best interest of a person or, and that's one theory. And the other theory is, do we use a substituted judgment? decision-making model and a guardian is a decision maker. We don't provide direct care. We, uh, in the public administrator world, we teach our new public administrators, you're not supposed to be given a client medications. You're not supposed to be providing, buying their groceries, taking them to the doctor. They should have professionals doing that for them. We are supposed to be resource finders. 
So with there's different theories on when you use those models. Mm -hmm. So for example, an individual, there's times you might ebb and flow between the two decision-making models. And there's times you work, you work in the best interest of the person, but when possible, we're supposed to always be a substitute judgment decision maker. And that means that we would look at what would this person do if they were not incapacitated? What would their decision be mm-hmm. in this case? So it's not always a straightforward answer to how you should make your decisions, um, what those decisions should be. There's a lot of thought and practice within the guardianship, within the public administrator world, we set up mentorship systems. We've set up training for new public administrators. So we are trying to be available to the new public administrators. So we help them um, develop their abilities as they go over the years to be a better and better guardian. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned incapacitated. That would be one type of individual that you would come into your arena? Yeah, so so basically, when you talk about who ends up with a guardian, and I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit, the legal terms are incapacitated and disabled. That's in the statute. So the judge in the probate court, sometimes in the juvenile court, um, but those would be not going to us as much as a, and perhaps a family member. But um, when a probate judge has an individual come before them for guardianship, they have to make a legal finding the person is incapacitated mm. before they can determine they need a guardian. Oh, okay. The, the term for conservatorship, taking care of the money, is disabled. So there's mm. different legal terms. And the the current trend, the current guardianship theory is that and our statute does now say this after the 2018 update, every option should be tried before guardianship. And if there are other ways to assist this individual other than guardianship, those things should be tried first. Mm-hmm. And there's, for example, supported decision-making is a, a current trend nationwide. And Missouri has a consortium on supported decision-making that comes out of the UMKC mm-hmm. Institute for Human Development. Mm-hmm. And so, there's a lot of theories, a lot of practice models that can apply to people. And not all individuals need a guardian. They might just need a caseworker. They might just need a supported decision maker. Mm-hmm. So the trends in guardianship in the past were just give someone a guardian. Mm-hmm. The trend now should be to ask, why do they need a guardian? And then start to look at how you can help that individual with those specific needs. Who would bring something to a probate court that would then later come to you? How, so what's that process? In Missouri, the public administrator system is a county-based system. Mm-hmm. We are funded by the taxpayers in, in our counties. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you the background on this. Our bill in 2019 was a venue bill. So for example, I have Fulton State Hospital in my county, the only maximum security forensic unit in the state. Mm -hmm. Columbia, Missouri has the Missouri Psychiatric Center, Mm -hmm. a a place where people go for short-term psychiatric help. Different counties had different situations that brought people to their counties that weren't from there that might need a guardian. So our venue bill was a bill that the legislature passed 
unanimously that basically says an individual deserves a guardian from where they're from. That's, that's going to give that person the best type of support. And for me here in Fulton, that means if someone at the state hospital needs a guardian, they're supposed to look at where they're actually domiciled. And domicile depends on where someone intends to live, wanted to live, not where they were placed. Mm -hmm. And the same for MUPC and Boone, it would mean that a person that's there for help or treatment that needs a guardian should get a guardian from the county that they were originally from. So the state hospital, applies a lot. There's a large, we've identified a large trend among state agencies to get us appointed. So they move people off their roles. Mm -hmm. And that's become an area where we've really pushed back. Mm -hmm. We want to be team players. We want to be part of the solution, but it is not in the best interest of individuals to just move them off the state roles onto county roles and it was happening in counties where the individuals weren't from had no connection to other than being placed there Mm -hmm. so frequently in my case it's a state agency there are some families in rural missouri that'll hire an attorney to get a guardian and again we're trying to work with families we're trying to be more of a resource so families don't get to the point they're totally exhausted Uh, we want them to feel like there's some help for them so that they could serve as guardian if possible. Mm -hmm. So usually you're going to see a state agency, a family might file, a nursing home might file, MUPC Mm -hmm. might file. Um, Sometimes if they file, it'll be end up being through the the state attorney general's office. So we can get it in a variety of ways. Um, The cases can be brought before the judge, but there's a gap in Missouri of how to pay for guardianship filing if it's not a state agency, if it's not a nursing home, uh, it is costly for families to hire an attorney and mm-hmm. you pretty much need an attorney to get a guardian for someone. Hmm. So we do have a gap in services here in mid-Missouri. Well, let me take a moment and reintroduce you to our listening audience. Uh, I'm speaking with Karen Dye Allen, the Callaway County Public Administrator and uh, a national certified guardian herself. This is local news and social artistry, by the way, that you're tuned into. I'm the host, Dick Dalton. Uh, This is a once a week program where we get to talk to people that are building a more humane world from the inside out. And uh, we appreciate your support for KOPN, your community radio station here in Columbia, Missouri, almost 50 years old, Uh, a great uh, history for KOPN, and we hope that you continue your support for our station, your station right here with diverse talk and music of the world and uh, the news that we get. It's just a a great station to tune into. So I'll get back now to my guest, uh, Karen Dye Allen, public administrator over in Callaway County. We're we're talking about this area called uh, guardianship and I'm beginning to just get a smidgen of understanding as to how complicated this thing is. So we've mentioned probate court. Uh, We've mentioned that somebody that is trying to assist a person under their charge that cannot make decisions for themselves 
and this family or agency is wanting somebody to be in charge of that individual. Is that sort of the well, picture? Well, but I want to change the word in charge because oh, okay. we're not, we, we are. Well, you want somebody to be in charge, not necessarily well, you. No, we're tasked with maximizing that person's ability to make their own decisions. So it's, it's an art and it's a craft. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone that the judges said, this person's incapacitated, they can't make any rational decision. So one way this is being done now, and this is on a national level, and this is encouraged nationally, is we should be looking at temp, uh, limited guardianships. Mm -hmm. And at the, at the fourth um, national summit, on guardianship, which I was fortunate. I was a delegate for the National Guardianship Association. And this is a actually an international summit. Hmm. If it were not for COVID, we would have gone to um, a law school, Syracuse University up in New York for an in-person meeting, but we had to do it by Zoom. So this was stakeholders internationally in the guardianship world. And we met and over a week crafted the the ideal policies and procedures for the next decade for guardianship. And part of that is how do you, how do you maximize a person's ability to make their own decisions when a judge says they're incapacitated? Yeah. And it, it is challenging. It can be done. One way to look at this is when I have a family member that calls and says, so-and-so says my adult child needs a guardian. Mm. First question I ask is why? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, they make bad decisions. Um, they're using drugs or they won't get their mental health treatment. Well, what we need to break down is what is, what's the main problem? What's the main focus? And sometimes with a limited guardianship, you can address those specific issues. And when a person has a guardian, they lose all their rights. Oh. Uh, the law now requires that when a person is given a guardian, the judge has to consider, can they still vote, drive, or marry? They can retain those rights if the judge allows them to. But again, that's someone allowing you to keep those rights. Hmm. Okay. So the national trend is for limited guardianships when possible. It's to use things like supported decision-making or a caseworker without a guardian when possible. And ideally, in a perfect world, these things should be tried first before you get to the point of saying, and unfortunately nowadays it's a lot of young people. When I started 25 years ago, I was guardian for a lot of people at the state hospital. And the uh, Olmstead decision came down from the US Supreme Court in the eighties and it has pushed down on the institutions and the state hospitals are being pushed down and, and they are moving people out in the community. And the way they do that is to get a guardian. So I've seen when I first started this job, if I was guardian for someone and the state hospital said they're ready to live in the community, they were going to a nursing home. Yeah. Um, now these individuals through, from the state hospitals, from agencies, even from families, these are young people. And that's, I want to talk a minute about what Missouri Association of Public Administrators did. We commissioned our own study uh, several years back. There's a, a nationwide vacuum 
there is no data on guardianship. The NGA knows this. Every group that works with guardianship, we know it. <laughs> we don't have data statewide, sometimes countywide, and not nationally. Who has a guardian? Why do they have a guardian? What types of people have guardians? So the Missouri Association of Public Administrators, we commissioned our own study. And our study revealed that in Missouri, there's 11,000 people with a public administrator guardian. And the clients that we serve are younger than they were before. They are more likely to have mental illness. Uh, they're more likely to have substance abuse. So they're more likely to be justice involved. So there's a lot of focus and a lot of attention now on what are we gonna do? I mean, we've got to start doing something. And our first step in Missouri as public administrators was to commission the study. Mm -hmm. Nationally, there's groups like the National Association of Counties, um, the National Judicial Task Force has called um, a conference of all chief justices, and they're looking at mental illness, people with severe mental illness coming through the court systems. Mm -hmm. We all know we've got to do something. Um, it's truly a pandemic of its own. Wow. And the, the drug, and, drug and alcohol addiction is paired with mental illness. A lot of the individuals are young. Mm -hmm. There aren't placements for them. We, as public administrators, we're being appointed to individuals that are literally, there's no facility that will take these individuals. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just a statewide problem. It's a national problem. And something that different groups are trying to look at, I will say, National Association of Counties, Missouri Association of Counties, Missouri Association of Public Administrators, we're all trying, we all have, each of those entities has groups that are looking at these problems. Um, and I don't know the answers. I always say it's a complex situation that needs complex answers, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a lot of focus and attention. So it's not even just as simple as the world of guardianship. It's, it's based on the individuals that are needing guardians and how do we better serve all these individuals how do we really help them how do we help them before they're justice involved mm -hmm. how do we help them from ending up in state hospitals you know how do we help them from ending up with a guardian for the rest of their life you mentioned uh folks are younger mm -hmm. uh, is there can you kind of give an age range what you're referring I, to when I you say that? because you've got the data right we do, we do. Um, in the United States, one in five people experience a mental illness. One in 25 um, experience a serious mental illness. And one in 10 have a substance abuse disorder. When we look at the county jails, uh, there's been a lot of focus by National Association of Counties on who's justice involved. And the numbers are very high when you look within a county jail of who is there and um, the, the serious mental illness. So I always tell people it's more than just a real simple, so there, there, there's complex uh, needs here and it, all, it, it overlaps. Our individuals, our young people with mental illness and drug and alcohol addiction, they're cycling between emergency rooms, the county jails, the court system. And unfortunately, the reaction in the past has been, we'll get them a guardian. And that's where, the, for example, the Missouri Association of Public Administrators, we're pushing back and we're saying, well, 
hey, there's this this doesn't help this individual mm-hmm. to just get them a guardian if there's no resources. And we've got to all come to the table and we have to all work together. Um, we can't just push it off on these small county offices and just assume that somehow they can take care of it because we can't unless we all work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not finding my data right now on the ages, but I do know they're, they're much younger than what they used to be. I know in my office, they're predominantly between the ages of probably mid thirties to early fifties. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. when you, when you say younger, we're not going down to teens and twenties. Yep. Really. We, we will public we changed the law in that respect at oh. one point we were appointed to minors mm-hmm. um we still have some judges in the state of missouri and this is the interesting thing i've learned about legislation because as part of mapa i've been really honored to um even like the the mowings group for example it's really a quite an experience to take six years in a room with people and like i said i won't use the word fights disagreements mm-hmm. discussions he did sometimes at the end of the day, you come out with a product six years later, a proposed change of the probate code, and you all are you all agree we're going to all work for this change. So the same with the Missouri Association of Public Administrators. The Jackson County Public Administrator and I met with David English over at the law school, and that was the venue team. We wrote the venue bill that that it, that was designed to help people have guardians from where they're the counties they're from. Mm-hmm. But then once the law is passed. You got to see how the judges will interpret it. And that's the stage we're at for a lot of this. These statutory changes took effect between 2017 on. So we did change the law. The public administrators proposed a bill and it was passed. Our intent was that public administrators would not be appointed to minors. There's still at least one judge in Southern Missouri that's doing that. Uh Um, So you will often see individuals sometimes that are aging out of the foster care system at 21, Mm -hmm. we might get appointed to, but by and large, um, we're not going to see, we, I, it's rare that I get a case for an individual and an elderly person in a nursing home, Mm -hmm. other parts of the state, that's a large part of their caseload, but I will, it's safe to say statewide, we're seeing more of these young folks and it's a combination of a mental illness of some type and then when you add in the drug and alcohol addiction, and usually mm-hmm. it's drug addiction mm-hmm. that's added in, and it's a spiral, and it'll it'll be explained, you know, sometimes it's like flipping a switch. And I've had caseworkers tell me, you know, an individual may have a se- severe addiction issue, and that switch for mental illness gets clipped on, and then they can back off on the drugs, and they get better. And sometimes it clicks on and off and on, and sometimes it just never will click off. And they then have to deal with a severe mental illness the rest of their life. So there's a lot of focus and a lot of attention on how do we start helping these people, both at the front end and then the back end. Mm -hmm. The answer is not to warehouse them. And the answer is not to warehouse them in the guardianship either. Mm -hmm. So two things come to mind. First, you said the original purpose of the guardian uh, was for widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. So uh, it sounds as though guardianship has moved way out of the orphan category. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. And widows, maybe uh, that is not a 
a label that's used anymore either. And no, we wouldn't, someone lacking a spouse would not be an appropriate reason right. for someone to have a conservator or a guardian. Right. So our society has uh, evolved beyond the original yes. uh, purpose. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is that, as you're aware, there used to be uh, many more treatment centers mm -hmm. around the state, much more money available for treatment centers. That shift took place. I'm not exactly sure why, unless it was uh, just to save money, but it hasn't really saved money or lives uh, as effectively as probably people thought it might. Can you speak to that somewhat? I, I can, and some of this, um, you know, I've, I talk to a lot of people, I'm, I'm active nationally with the National Guardianship Association, I'm active with the National Association of Counties, I'm active with Missouri Association of Counties, and with MAPA, and our group, we've testified quite a bit over at the Capitol, we've, we've had the, the opportunity in those hearings to hear information from the legislators themselves, and one of the things I picked up um, in one of the groups uh, by a state rep who is also a psychiatrist, you know, is what they've seen, the same thing. And what I've gathered from all these groups and the things that I've listened to and learned is the state made a budget decision. Hmm. They made a decision at some point that there were cost savings they thought that could be made. Hmm. And... I don't want to be negative about the state because you have to also understand the pressure that comes down from the federal government. Mm -hmm. So the federal government pushes down. And for example, the Olmstead decision was one that said when appropriate individuals should live in the community, the word if appropriate has been overlooked. Mm -hmm. And so the federal government pushes down on states nationwide for not moving people in and out of their state hospitals fast enough for keeping people there too long. So that's one reason I got involved with NACO. And how do we, we gotta start looking at the federal government and their rules and regulations. They're pushing down on the state hospitals. The state hospitals do not wanna warehouse people anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a proponent of warehousing, but what we as public guardians and public administrators see are there are a group of people that with serious mental illness that need long-term psychiatric places to live. Mm -hmm. It does not mean they live in a bad place. It does mm -hmm. not mean they live in a place without programming, but to let these individuals just cycle. And some of them are homeless now. They, yeah. there is no place for them to live. Mm -hmm. There's no appropriate facility that will take them. Mm -hmm. So we're not doing them any favors by letting them cycle through the emergency rooms, the county jails, the court system, and it's something that what I am excited about seeing is all the people come to the table. And it's taken a lot of work from a lot of us for years. Um, I don't know that there were there for an answer. I can give you the names of people that are engaged here in Missouri. Um, the Missouri Association of Counties just started a committee called uh, Policing Mental Health and Justice. And that, that committee is we're bringing in stakeholders like the um, juvenile court system, stakeholders from behavioral health organizations in Boone County, for example. Um, we're bringing in stakeholders. We've got a, a county sheriff. We've got a public defender. We've got a multitude of public administrators. 
we've got to all come to the table. We have law enforcement at that table. So somehow we've got to start looking. I don't know what the answers are, but I do know if we address the answer, start looking at what are the questions, we might find the answers. Um, I want to bring this up. The Missouri Association of Public Administrators, we just had our annual conference last week. And the National Guardianship Association president came to visit and talk to us. The main concern nationwide right now is data collection. Until we get the data, we're not gonna be able to move forward. We have to know who has guardians, why they have guardians, what type of services were offered to them, what type of services might help them. And so right now, when I talk about the thinkers and the doers, that's something we all agree on. And I think right now we're trying to figure out what can we work on to make things better. In the meantime, there's a lot of people and a lot of need and a lot of crisis. Mm -hmm. So every probate court would have records of that, you would think, right? Of when people have been assigned guardians? Well, or should we I save that for the last 20 minutes? <laughs> I could just say that nationwide, Mm -hmm. There's a lack of record keeping that's easily accessible. Uh, and that's the problem is how do you, if no one's been tracking it, mm -hmm. you, you can't fault an agency or, or a, a group by saying, oh, they don't have these numbers. Because I think this, this kind of uh, sneak, snuck up on people. Mm -hmm. And what's happened, especially with the pandemic, the mentally, people with serious mental illness have been out there for a long time. I can tell you that I've done this 26 years. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you the commonality and almost all of my individuals I've been served to, uh, you know, appointed to serve, mm -hmm. I could tell you the commonalities in their lives. And a lot of them had drug and alcohol addiction. Before that, they were abused in some way. Mm -hmm. And the end result is they didn't get help when they were younger for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to fault families. I'm not going to fault state agencies. But now we're starting to put this total picture together. And now we do have a responsibility to the baby steps. It's the data collection. And mm -hmm. you, you will hear that in October. Um, myself, our past president for MAPA, uh, Judge Milt Mack from Wayne County I, um, in Detroit, Michigan, and Janet Thompson, Boone County Commissioner, we're going to be presenting at the National Guardianship Association oh. on the work being done by NACO, the work being done by the National Judicial Task Force, and we're going to talk about what Missouri's doing and then Michigan. So we're trying to bring all the players together somehow. We've got to start talking to each other. Um, and I appreciate you letting me speak because most of the time I just bore people when I start talking <laughs> about the, the depths of the guardianship world because again, people don't, they don't understand the complexity mm -hmm. and the problems so many of us are desperately trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Well, Karen, Di, Allen, thank you so much. Uh, so far, we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got a wealth of information already uh, from you. We'll, we'll, we have a little bit more time. So folks, thanks for listening today to Glocal News and Social Artistry here on KOPN.org, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri, 89.5 FM. I'm the host of this show. Uh, we, we have it weekly. My name is Dick Dalton. Uh, we're going on uh, finishing up our fourth or fifth year 
uh, of this particular uh, venue. So, so glad you're with us, and uh, we appreciate your support for KOPN, uh, which is uh, almost completely volunteer uh, run and uh, programmers volunteering their time and, and expertise or <laughs> attempts at, at uh, making an, an interesting and uh, entertaining hour or whatever the length of their show might be. We've got great music from all kinds of genres and, uh, and sources. We've got uh, syndicated shows that come on like uh, Fresh Air and Democracy Now! and uh, Think at uh, 1 o'clock every day and then The World at 2 with Marco and uh, then in the most of the other uh, talk show programs are in the evening uh, starting around 5 or so and uh, music interspersed before, after, around, and all night. So lots to listen to on kopn.org uh, both at the 89.5 FM or streaming and uh, also we have uh, archives for two weeks. Uh, you can get the the show that you missed uh, by going to uh, kopn.org, go to program archives, and you'll see the last two weeks of programming and click on it and you listen to the show. Uh, I also have archives beyond that on my uh, program page, Local News and Social Artistry, and you can see the last 25 shows. Uh, so. Lots of ways to uh, tune in and, and uh, find things that satisfy your curiosity or your hunger for just uh, chilling. Uh, my guest today is Karen Dye Allen, the uh, Callaway County Public Administrator, uh, National Prof Certified Guardian. And we're, we're exploring this whole area of guardianship, how it's evolved since it started in the late 1800s. Uh, how it's evolving as we speak because uh, Karen is part of the committees and, and or associations that are actually doing the research and, and uh, helping to formulate policy and policy changes. So Karen, in our remaining time, uh, what are some of the, if, if you were, if I was a listener that had a a person under my care that I was wondering about how we were going to take care of this person into the future. Uh, what would I be, where would I be looking for help to start with? So, so are you talking about like a, if you, if there's a family member? With yes, a let's say a family member. Yeah. So what we've done here in Callaway is we, we have really, um, in fact, we've started, we've got a really nice brochure that we've had put together that, that I shared at our elected official meeting today. And um, we want to put the word out to families to call us. Mm -hmm. uh, families are- Do you have a number? Could you just give us a number? Well, I would say call your local public administrator's office. Okay, there yeah, you go. I would mm -hmm. say that because it's based on the, each county. Sure. So um, I can say in Callaway, I welcome those calls. Uh -huh. um, we want families to call us. Um, so I can tell you the three main categories of people that have a guardian. Mm -hmm. It may be individuals that have dementia or um, Alzheimer's and mm -hmm. um, need some help. Um, they don't have family to take care of them or families just 
some families don't live locals. They're not able to help the individual. Or, it can or be, they or they may not have the money to place them in a memory unit somewhere. Is that the well, but they can get Medicaid. And that's what a lot of oh. families don't know. How do you access the resources? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. You've got individuals uh, with mental illness. Um, and those families typically are very exhausted and worn out. Mm-hmm. And then you have uh, individuals with developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Now, in the guardianship world, we know there's individuals called dual diagnosis. And those are individuals with both a little bit of developmental disability and a mental illness. So when families, when they, when they, so for example, I'll give you an example in juvenile court. Mm-hmm. In the juvenile world, we have a division of family services that provides resources. We have a juvenile court just designed for juvenile issues. And we have a law that, that says that reunification of the family unit is the primary purpose. Hmm. When you get into the probate court, you don't have any of that. So when an individual, say you have a, a person of age that maybe had dementia living at home and the family disagrees, they go to court. If they fight with each other in front of the judge, the hmm. public administrator is going to get appointed. Hmm. What I would like to see in Missouri is the use, perhaps a mediation, hmm. um, some, some techniques and tools to when a family goes through that type of situation in court, it's very hard for them to heal those wounds. Yeah. But if you get them to sit down at a table, maybe with a mediator, mm-hmm. it's going to be better for the family unit long term and for that individual who's mm-hmm. at the focus of things. Mm-hmm. So I want families to reach out to us first here in Callaway. Mm-hmm. They do. Sometimes we just say hey, these are the resources that we know of. If they don't work, call us back. We'll try to come up with more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say for family members, call your local public administrator. There are groups. There's NAMI that's out there in, in, in Missouri. N-A-M-I. Is N-A-M-I. The, can you break that out for us? Um, National oh boy, Association of Mental Illness, maybe? I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. And then... If you have a family member with a developmental disability, most counties have what's called an SB40 board. Um, the regional center can help locate those for you. So the There's regional a- center is part of Missouri Department of Mental Health. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they, they're they part of the division that takes care of people with division, uh, developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. So most counties has a, have an SB40 board. That was a bill that passed that was called SB 40 mm-hmm. and it allows for a tax in that county to provide services for people with developmental disabilities. Mm. So those are things your public administrator might know about mm-hmm. and can help you um, call for some help. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, as you look to the future, um, I think you're hopeful from what I'm picking up, because you're, uh, you've seen changes already, and I think you see more positive changes on the horizon. Is that, is that a good way to look? I, I think so. I think um, there's a, there are frustrations. There's frustrations for the lack of facilities. 
Uh, there's frustrations with the fact that mental mental health treatment is not paid for by mm -hmm. Medicaid, like uh, like medical health tr treatment is. There's some changes that need to be made, but the more we work on this, the more we'll identify what changes we need to be made, and then we can work to make those changes. So you mentioned that people aren't aware of what Medicare pays for. What uh, could you give an example of that? Uh, well, Medicaid. Well, you mentioned Medicaid here, but about ten minutes ago, I thought you mentioned Medicare. Was it was that another, or did I just misunderstand? Well, that? I might have. Yeah, it, I mean, Medicare probably has some services, and then, for example, there are Medicare specialists that are located throughout our state. So that's another resource we can we can give families. Um, I think typically Medicaid would pay for nursing home care. Mm -hmm. um, it would be a certain type of, be a Medicaid bed, so to speak. But again, if families call us, we, we can start steering them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, every four years, people uh, find public administrator on their county election ballot. They do. Um, I, I'm guessing if you're 25 years into this position, <laughs> uh, experience goes a long way. <laughs> it, it does. I mean, and, and I do intend to, to run again, but it, it, it does because um, you develop a sense of how to do things within our Public Administrator Association, we have devoted a lot of time and energy um, into helping train our new public administrators. With each election cycle, we have on average 20 to 30 new public administrators. Mm. Um, unfortunately, with the high demands made on the position, the last election cycle, a couple of people quit mm. within weeks of being sworn in. Oh my. Um, and in some counties, no one filed. Oh. So that just speaks to the high degree of frustration and the types of cases we're appointed to mm -hmm. that um, if you can't find the resources, if you can't help the people, but yet you're ultimately responsible. So as an association, we're also trying to be a good support system for each other, work together as a group to locate services and and um, it definitely train our new public administrators. So each county uh, has to handle the money of this as a county, is that correct? Or is the state funding equally to each county? Nothing. Absolutely nothing, zero. I've done this 25 years. There's a No statute, state funding. Nothing. And yet the state agencies use us yeah. to clear off their roles. So, um, we keep trying to think of a funding source, uh, not to pay ourselves, but to to, have, to fund our offices. Right. The national standard, um, the recognized standard for caseload is one professional staff per 20 clients. Mm -hmm. In Missouri, public administrators have caseloads of, on average, of 90 clients per professional staff member. Whoa. There are public administrator offices that are carrying 60 clients with no help. There are public administrators' offices that have no computers. There are public administrators' offices that have no mileage granted to them. Mm -hmm. So this is 
quite uh, a uh, challenge when we deal with 114, actually 115 different county types and how they fund the offices. There is absolutely no federal and absolutely no state funding that comes into our offices. And that was part of our push for the venue bill because I feel very strongly about this. I want to serve the citizens in the county mm -hmm. that funds this office. Mm -hmm. And it's just in the best interest for a person to have a guardian from the place in Missouri that they're from. So when we as uh, listeners think about what you're dealing with, uh, financially even, hmm. is there anything we can do? Do we, is there a... <laughs> How do we support you? Well, I would not say financial support because I, I will tell you in Callaway, and I've done this with the, the blessings of my commissioners, um, we, we do not touch $1 that we don't have to touch. Mm -hmm. And so if an individual, say their only income is Social Security, Social Security has a very sophisticated payee system. We want all money for our clients to go to the most direct place. So if they're in a nursing home, we want the nursing home to be the payee. Mm -hmm. um, for individuals that live places that are, don't have a payee system as part of their facility, mm -hmm. we work with a mid-Missouri group that serves as a payee and they're approved by Social Security and Social Security makes that decision. So um, in the financial side, part of the problem with the whole scenario is back in the 1800s, they decided that public administrator offices would be paid the conservator fees when they handle conservatorship, and then that would fund the office. Mm. So it's, in my opinion, a flawed model mm -hmm. because we are county offices. <laughs> and number one, if there's a private market solution, we shouldn't be using government resources. So I would like to see private guardianship businesses. And that's why I'm a believer in certification. Mm. Uh, certification is a way to have private guardians and be ensured that they're reputable and that they answer to some entity, a licensing entity or certification mm -hmm. entity. So um, I would say for the public, um, maybe just reach out to your local public administrator. Mm -hmm. We have uh, once a year, we go to, all the nursing homes, every room in every Callaway County nursing home. And we take stuffed animals, puzzles, mm -hmm. hats. So we do a lot of outreach in our office. And that's something if people want to reach out to their local public administrator's office and say, do you have any volunteer opportunities that you could use help with? Um, so there's, I would do that. I can't speak for every public administrator in every mm -hmm. county. I could say in our office, we do have a set of volunteers that we call on mm -hmm. when we do our outreach. And um, they, they're great volunteers. Mm -hmm. In the back of my mind, uh, there are degrees, college degrees in public administration. Is that correct? Not the same thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I've heard the phrase, but it's yeah. not. I, oh. I can't tell you why they came up with the word public administrator in the Missouri statute in the 1800s. But the, a degree in public administration is different. Okay. Yeah, it would be more, more like running the county or administrating a, a city or a county or some entity. So that's, that's confusing, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Uh, 
So we need to be aware that our public county public administrator is not running the county. Right. <laughs> we get phone calls about gravel, yeah. not on roads, about roads, bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, we get all kinds of calls mm-hmm. and we just keep our list here of the county commissioner's phone numbers and we mm-hmm. forward them there. But you keep mm-hmm. the it's it's confusing. Yeah, because I just looked up uh, on my search engine, uh, public administrator, and mm-hmm. I got this long list of stuff and I thought, wow, this woman is, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> but we've got to separate that out. You're right. into the guardianship world. Right. And that is so different from what exactly. you might normally think of a public administrator. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Karen, Di, Allen, that was just a, a nugget in itself. <laughs> we saved for the last word. <laughs> uh, any final statement to say to our listening audience? Uh, well, I will say this, you know, uh, reach out to your county public administrator, um, ask them what do they do, ask them if you can help. Uh, They may or may not have like volunteer systems like we have, but but do know they have a tough, tough job and that we are working really hard with other groups and other entities to to try to find some solutions. Well, bless your heart. What a job. And uh, you're a a veteran of... uh of that work for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time today and your information. And friends, oh, our pleasure. Uh, Friends, remember, wherever you are, that is your world. Please leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it, because if it is to be, it is up to us. (laughs) Take care. Talk to you soon.